Welcome back to the chaos. If you noticed, I took two weeks off. Now, when I say welcome to the chaos, I do not mean bring everything that Mercury Retrograde was serving. That retrograde had legs, and when it went out, it slammed the door. Every episode I had scheduled to be recorded during the retrograde had some sort of issue. I experienced every single one of my three emotions, and I will tell you they were unpleasant. Now that that's done, we can get back to business. On this week's episode, I welcome my first co-host, and I couldn't be happier to have them come on into the eye of the storm. Edgar Fabian Frias is a magical being from another dimension, and I enjoy every single minute of them. We have a big old meaty vegan friendly convo for you where we dive deep into the messy pool of producing content as artists, queerdos, and magical creatures on complex, divisive social media platforms whose rules of censorship are often hidden and they seem to target users of marginalized locations. Edgar and I welcome guests Kiki Robinson and Mickey Yamashiro, also known by their alter candy pain. So let's dive right on in. Well, hello. Hey. <laughs> hey. hey. I'm so glad to finally have you here. We've been trying to do this now for a little bit of time. I know. Our, our um, agenda chaos. <laughs> you know, everything is chaos. <laughs> everything is chaos. <laughs> It's yes, definitely. Yeah, there's be- definitely been some chaos magic in us coming together, and I'm glad that it can finally happen today. And you are my first first official co-host for Queer Chaos, so Yay. I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself to all of our audience of gender punks and chaos magicians. <laughs> Yeah, so my name is Edgar Fabian Frias. I'm a queer, non-binary, indigenous, pirarica, a witch, brujekis, artist, visionary, creative, uh, healer, therapist, etc., etc. And I am so excited to be talking about some of the things that we're going to talk about today and to also be open to possibility because we have a little bit of structure, but we're also not really sure what's going to happen in today's episode, which I'm <laughs> thrilled about. <laughs> Speaking of not knowing what the fuck is going to happen, can we just have a moment <laughs> for the retrograde we just went through? Honey. Oh my gosh. Honey, oh my gosh. she was on the roller coaster of her life, hanging on by Lee Press on Nails. <laughs> like, I don't know about you, um, but this was some major energetic shit going on. Oh, yeah. Definitely. What was it like for you? Yeah, it was really um, intense. A lot happened. I would say um, there were some really intense things that reemerged, like some reconnections that happened. There was some healing, some for like forgiveness that happened, some repair of some relationships. And also, of course, so much, um, you know, emergent. Ah, just, yeah, pathways that I didn't expect to go down, you know, and um, interruptions to things that led to other unfolding events. So there was so much redirection, I feel, and reconnection. Um, And also just like emotionally was really wild. I feel like I've experienced every single emotion these last few weeks. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I'm so, so excited for uh, this 
season of Scorpio and to have so many of the planets back um, direct again. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I was even, so we're recording this in the sort of aftermath of the retrograde. So this is retrograde ended what, like five, five days ago, but Mm -hmm. I was still feeling it. It's like little aftershocks all this week. And it was interesting because I feel like, well, I don't get to repair any relationships. <laughs> I just like felt like I was forced to confront all of the things I am attached to. I was forced mm. to confront my relationship to attachment. Wow. That's what that wow. felt like to me in every little shadowy way. <clears throat> mm. Yeah, I would say that attachment was really behind a lot of what I went through. And, you know, there is a lot of um, just questioning, like, what I feel attached to. And some of the repairs were to some of my, like, primal attachment systems, you know. And there has been a lot of wounding in those spaces. And so, yeah, I can really resonate with that of kind of having that question brought up. And um, Mm -hmm. I know that in the days after the um you know retrograde ends they always call it the shadow period you know there's always like a after shock or after effects that happen and take place mm-hmm. you know? so you've i've been following you of course on instagram like everybody else <laughs> and you've been doing all of this wonderful performance work you've been out there teaching um you did this it was like a site-specific thing maybe for golden dome in san francisco um, I did a Golden Dome event in Los Angeles okay. um, at Deb's Park. Yeah, that that was like right. in October. Yeah, and that was so powerful. It was at the top of like a little, um, like a mountain, and there was like a lake, and a bunch of witches came together to mm-hmm. resurrect care. And um, is this something? Is this the first time you've done something um, in a in a site setting like this with Golden Dome? Oh, no. Um, We've been doing the Resurrection of Care now for, I think it's been five years. Oh, wow. It's been at different places. Uh, The first one we did at, like, a gallery, and then another one we had at Echo Park, and then we've had one at that was at an amazing um, apartment complex. And so we've done it in different spaces. And Uh in 2020, during the pandemic, we did it on YouTube. So it's still, that video is still online if people are interested in looking at um, a DIY resurrection of care that you can join across time and space on YouTube. And can you tell folks a little bit more about it? Yeah, so the Resurrection of Care, you know, was started by Eliza Swan, who's the founder of the Golden Dome School, and it's a direct response to the cremation of care. And so the cremation of care happens in Northern California in this place that is called um, Bohemian Grove. And in this space, people get together. It's a lot of politicians and bankers. Um, They get together once a year and they get drunk and they go piss in the woods. And they, uh, according to um, reports, they burn a body. They burn an effigy. And some people have even stipulated that it's a real body. And their ritual is called the cremation of care. And it's essentially destroying care in order to be able to reap benefits, financial benefits, you know, knowing that you need to destroy care in order to be able to make a lot of money mm-hmm. <laughs> in the system. So um, the Golden Dome, as a response every year um, for the last few years, has done a resurrection to bring care back into the world as a way to counterbalance some of that, you know, um, gross magic <laughs> that mm-hmm. these people are doing. And maybe you could um, say a little bit more about Golden Dome. So the Golden Dome School is a pedagogical, curatorial, creative platform that really looks at um, ecology, at mysticism, creative practice. And along with the Golden Dome, I've helped uh, host artist residencies. We've done workshops. We've also done public events. For example, in 2019, um, we got a grant from the city of Los Angeles to do a pretty big event as a part of their triennial current LA. And we did a big feeding of people with rainbow colored food. It was called rainbow transmissions. And so golden dome is a pretty, um, 
I would say, expansive, interdisciplinary, interconnected uh, group of people who've all kind of come together in the name of love and magic and queerness and uh, to offer a different way of using art and magic in your mm-hmm. life. And they're actually on November 6th having their first ever gala um, as a fundraiser to raise funds for them. And um, I'm going to be offering at this time a contemporary art taroscope event mm. uh, where I'm going to be pulling tarot cards for each sign and also for the people at the event. And um, with each card that comes forward, I'm going to be connecting it to a contemporary art project or piece. Oh, how wonderful. And where can, where can people find information about that? Yeah, so they're on Instagram at Golden Dome School. And um, from there, they have like a link tree that will connect you to their website and um, to the different offerings that they have online. Well, I'm very excited for our guests today. Shall we bring them in? Welcome to the chaos. <laughs> so glad to, that we could all get together finally and share this space. So I wanted to um, ask you if you would both introduce yourselves. Uh, my name is Dion Mashiro, and I perform as Candy Payne, who is professional wrestling sapphic sweetheart. She loves to wrestle and she hates men. I'm Kiki, and I also go by Opulent Witch um, on Instagram. Um, my pronouns are they, them, and I am from... Um, Seattle, also uh, occupied Duwamish and Coast Salish land. And I'm a practicing witch and artist and tarot reader. Um, and yeah, an artist of uh, multimedia. Yeah, so maybe we could get started by talking a little bit. You know, one of the things that was exciting for me bringing us all together is talking about our connection to social media knowing that we're the four of us here are pretty like public people in different ways and, you know, probably have complicated, I know I have a complicated relationship with that. Um, So I'd love to talk about that. And maybe, you know, since I'm asking the question, I can think a little bit for myself about that. Um, I definitely have a, ambivalent relationship with social media. I love it so much. It's connected me to so many amazing people and it's helped me live a life that I never thought I would be able to have. And also it's been challenging in different ways that continue to change and transform and I'm having to get used to. And also that um, I feel like are still changing. And I think, um, I'm really inspired by people who are adapting and mutating their own practices to respond to the ways that these um, platforms are changing and the ways that we're being kind of moved by them. So, yeah, would love to hear your thoughts and your on your relationship um, to social media. Yeah, I feel like I have a complicated, like maybe a lot of us have a complicated relationship to social media. I... I'm a, historically like a pretty private person. And then when things shifted with the pandemic, when the pandemic began, I started bringing my work online quite a bit. And so um, I yeah, definitely found that shift to be <laughs> interesting, I guess, um, shifting into like a public, more public platform. Um, I was historically like, just very like Seattle based before, like within the community here in the Pacific Northwest. And once I, yeah, brought everything online, really started to engage my relationship with technology and social media in a very different way. And it definitely brought a lot of kind of insights into how we navigate the, um, I guess, digital realm as like an actual realm and dimension and a portal. So for the last couple of years, I've been exploring a lot of tech magic and digital magic through spellcrafting online. And I like to think about the the realm of the, the digital sphere as a space that we can we can really engage in like dismantling kind of oppressive energy. And even though there's a lot of like kind of gnarly energy on the internet. I do like to think of it as a space of like community and connection and, and art and creation. Um, 
So I'm excited to to dive into this conversation because it's so much of what I think about. Could you tell us a little bit more um, or define tech magic for people that might not be so familiar with it? Yeah. So I think how I define it at least is, um, is actively and intentionally engaging witchcraft, spell work, you know, whatever that, that looks like for people. Cause I feel like that can look so many different ways. It can be through art and creation. It can be through invocation, through sound, through visual, through an actual building of a spell in the digital realm to shift energy, to invoke energy or, or to, you know, raise energy for a specific purpose and intention. Um, something I also want to name too is and something I've been exploring is the spirits of technology and the spirits of social media and thinking about the spirits of the internet as actual spirits that are sentient and, you know, beings that I don't necessarily see as like inherently negative or bad, but I think that there's a lot of overshadowing from capitalism that happens. And when I connect to those spirits, they're like all for sovereignty. They're all for like tech magic. Mm -hmm. And like, they want it to be a space of creation and connection and community. And I think they feel really like oppressed and like, just kind of like restricted by those systems of capitalism that we see moving through like different platforms and social media. So would you say that the, that the spirits that you envision um, as part of technology are kind of independent from the actual um, like corporations or the platforms themselves? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I feel like they feel very Aquarius to me. They feel very like futuristic and cosmic. (laughs) I I just like, I really love them. And I I, like want to be, you know, in this expression, I've been like, I want to be in right relationship with them. And, and that's kind of what I talk about. I teach like tech magic classes and like tech clearing classes, um, like energetic, like digital magic. And, um, Yeah, I feel like I do see them as very separate and autonomous than, yeah, the corporate, corporate, like, you know, capitalistic lens that we see so much on, on these different platforms. Well, I'm so glad you're doing that work, Kiki, because yeah, for me, I feel like social media, I try and really think of it as a tool, which, you know, tools could be used to be helpful or very negative and hurtful. And so trying to know the best time to use that tool and how to use it properly. Cause it is for me, I kind of hate social media. I hate technology a lot. (laughs) It's yeah. I feel like I'm at my best around others. And during the pandemic, I'm so grateful that we had this ability to connect in ways to be safe and as healthy as possible but it just made me even more thankful for community and hunger for being in space, sharing space, being with others and like going outside and just seeing like the beauty of the natural world, like made me feel so much more happy than yeah. Scrolling social media. It's yeah. can be an endless scroll. That's just, uh, really draining sometimes. And so, Mickey, would you say that like you've been really kind of leaning into the resource of people and of land, you know, as you're saying, nature and kind of yeah, stepping away from the computer in a way? Oh, definitely. I mean, since um, getting vaccinated and stuff, I mean, there's now the variant and all these things, but I was just like, I'm going to go to every public event. I'm going to go see modern dance and like spoken word poetry, which were not my favorite types of poetry. But I was like, I'm going to, I was like, kind of like Rouge being like, I'm going to change. I'm going to go to everything anyone invites me to and like pay $20 cover charge and support artists and performers. And yeah, it is really special for also people who don't have access to things. I could, how social media can be so helpful and yeah it's just two-sided you know it's a tool it can be really inspiring and a great tool for organizing and educating but also 
compare and despair. And I think sometimes people forget that this is all a projection. And I think the engineer, the energy clearing seems like so interesting and really important for people to do to also check in. Like Mm -hmm. this is a ethereal space almost. And what do you want to put in there? And what parts of your personality is drawn to posting and drawn to commenting. Like sometimes I feel like people are emboldened in this way that I like, but sometimes in a (laughs) toxic way where I'm like, actually in normal day life, my experience with people, people are pretty civil. They like stop at stop signs. They follow rules pretty much we take turns and then on the internet there's not really that (laughs) and like people can just go from zero to 60 very quickly of like not giving anyone the benefit of the doubt or respect or compassion that I think in real life is a little more innate in humans to connect to each other and they want to be liked in a way that on the internet sometimes our ids come out and we want to be a little trolly or competitive or critical of people that in real life, it's like, I want them to, I don't want to be me. It's like uncomfortable to be mean to someone and like make fun of them or trash them. And yeah, that, I think that's the scarier part on the internet, social media. It really is where people's like shadows come out to play, you know, (laughs) where people really do push edges and boundaries. Um, And that's not across the boards, but I think that it, that, that the anonymity or the screen that exists there um, sort of gives people permission to act maybe in ways that otherwise, you know, out in public, um, shame or other factors would come into play and they wouldn't necessarily push into or the positivity of like looking into someone's eyes and being like i hate you is like so intense and like we don't actually do that a lot of times in our life but on the internet it's so easy to write these things and like really not have to sit with the consequences of what you say and what you do and how that can affect the energy that you put out. Sometimes that's not reflected as much on internet, social media as it would be in real life. Yeah. And I think, you know, on the other side of that, Mickey, I think one thing that I really love about your work is that social media is also a place where we can play and perform in a way that maybe we don't feel empowered to do in, you know, our everyday life, right? That we can kind of take on different personas or explore different personas online. And I definitely know that um, I think maybe all of us do that. And, you know, I think everyone does that in a way where it's like you're able to step into a different kind of power maybe or a different kind of agency that can sometimes be hard to access, you know, within spaces that maybe are more like heteronormative or patriarchal where that might be scary to, you know, step into that power in those spaces. But online, it, 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 we, we definitely have, you know, as you're naming these like systems where people feel more emboldened to do that and get celebrated many times for doing that. Yeah. Candy Payne is definitely an interesting character for me. And it's not my social media. I'm like, this is a character. And some people respond well to it and like can get the humor and there are serious messages behind it anti-capitalist and uh, anti-white supremacist and kind of anti yeah just trying to channel that rage I have into something that is hopefully yeah, I guess I just had a lot of rage especially during pandemic and these things and not knowing where they could go exactly and yeah putting them on the internet but yeah it's just different for everyone I guess I when people kind of troll me or that kind of thing I block delete right away like I'm not interested in engaging in that way which I think is yeah I just hope I see some friends or community members really digging into these conversations or arguments that don't seem very proactive or healthy for them and 
I want our community to be as strong as possible to like be able to unite and engage and fight for these things. And sometimes I feel like social media can be feel like we're making a difference, but actually not very productive in the reality of physical world of people having material things and like, yeah, housing people and like feeding people and making sure people are educated and have access to healthcare. I worry that sometimes the social media policing is just us eating our own tails and kind of like, we have so much power, so much creativity, so much beauty to share that I get discouraged when I see it kind of in this vacuum. Can I ask you how you would respond? I'll just ask actually the whole group, how you would respond to the black and white question. Um, Well, if you don't like social media, why don't you just get off of it? That reminds me so much of the, if you don't like the US, why don't you just leave, right? (laughs) Yeah, I feel like I can respond. Um, Well, I'm I'm actually kind of grateful for social media in a lot of ways because I'm a, I've been able to have have my business on there. Um, mm-hmm. So my practice, like I said, moved completely online. So I do like tarot and ritual work on there, and in a lot of ways, I I feel like it's been really beautiful and expansive, um, but. I feel like it's so complicated, right? Because it's like not every day I love social media. <laughs> like there's some days mm-hmm. that I'm like having like a really complicated relationship with it. And I think um, kind of like what has already been said, like like the expectations and the boundaries around it feel really complex because there's this whole other like set of unspoken like rules and expectations on a social level, um, kind of like that, that sense of like, um, being always accessible or like people expecting you to engage in like certain, yeah, like arguments or, um, yeah, it can feel really complex. So I feel like it's okay to name that we have, we can have a complicated relationship with Mm. social media and still engage in ways that feels like the best for us, but knowing that it's always going to be kind of like this navigation of like, okay, what are my boundaries in this situation? Like, do I want to engage with this? Like, okay, do I need to respond to every single, you know, DM? Um, Yeah. Like I had my profile hacked like a while ago and all my stuff got copied. And like, I know that's happening a lot to people and it's really concerning because like, it's like people can just kind of have their entire identity and business, like completely copied and pasted. Um, so I feel like when it comes to that, it's like, well, there was a point I was like, I I just want to like take a month off from social media. I want to take a break. But I was like, well, that would also compromise this other stuff, my art and my business. So yeah, I guess where I'm going with this is like, it's complicated. Mm-hmm. I hate capitalism too, but I still have to have a job. You know what right, I mean? Like, right. like, like <laughs> social media, I think is also all part of our whether we like it or not, like our business, our livelihood of a part of free advertising, but it's what is free, you know, it's like, yeah, then you're kind of feeling this pressure to have to keep producing content and keep responding and all this stuff where, yeah, it's like before we could just make our work, do our still got to check in and do these things. And I think, yeah. There are really great things and I have gotten great opportunities and like even getting really fun. And, but this is even so much more rewarding to me than just posting something. And I guess the thing I do like about social media is the thing of like, you release it into the world and have to release what expectations you want. And I worry as an artist for myself and others, probably like you 
are affected by how many likes it gets or reposts and then being like, oh, this is what people like. So I should do this more rather than like, what's your true voice? What's more inspiring to you or what? Yeah, sometimes it is a back and forth thing of like, do I want this instant response to something I'm working on or should I just keep working and then see what happens and just make it because I like to make it rather than like so being so aware of an audience is tricky. Yeah. And I feel like Mickey, you know, what you're saying makes me think a lot about how these like systems of social media are shaping our consciousness or shape, shaping our minds and our relationship to our own personal practices. Right. And I think a lot about how like algorithms have really been amplifying division and like how much um, people are kind of in these feedback loops where they're only seeing information they want to see. And it's creating like such a divisive kind of atmosphere in our communities. And I know, I don't know how, if you all have experienced this, but I've seen so many friends, even within like the queer and trans community or or within the witchy community or the artist community, seeing people just like get like divided over ideologies or different ways of thinking about stuff. And, and I definitely know that a lot of that has to do with like this, the way that social media is impacting us and like that we're all a part of this huge experiment that we don't really know like where it's headed and there's no one really overseeing it or having any sort of um, uh, like ethical like conversations around what it means to do this to billions of people, you know? And the surveillance aspect is very terrifying of just how much information big tech has. Like, I don't think they necessarily have some political agenda, more of a capitalistic of like, how much can we get people to buy? And that's also hard to realize that we're just cogs in that system. And Well, it's, it makes me think of, um, of the ability to have a discerning eye when engaging with these types of forums. Um, And then it it reminds me of very real people in my life that watch Fox News um, for hours on end and completely buy into the matrix that Fox News is selling. Um, and, And I imagine that happens also for people that fall into the algorithms and patterns of Facebook and Instagram and see this curated selection of advertisements and like news and completely buy into the, that, that the curated version that they are giving you is what it is. Totally. I agree. And that is happening on all sides. And the fact is like, it's not hard to have it. I mean, it's difficult to have some disagreements, but that's how we grow. That's how we learn. And we're all making mistakes constantly. And to make it this big thing, it's so public. I'm like, oh, yeah, a strange time. (laughs) I know I've been thinking a lot about how um, the internet is in its Saturn return right now. Um, (laughs) so it's interesting to think about like the internet going through its Saturn return. Um, could you, could you unpack that a little bit for everyone (laughs) that might not be as familiar? (laughs) Yeah. So, um, you know, within a Saturn return, Saturn comes back to the same place from when we were born. And oftentimes Saturn returns are this time of like a great learning or transformation and really kind of, uh, a coming of age and figuring out what am I doing in the world? What is my purpose? Um, where am I headed? And the internet or like the World Wide web was created in, um, 1991. I don't remember the exact date, but, um, it was an Aquarius, which is interesting too, because I feel like tech and like social media is all very Aquarian in certain ways. So it's currently in its Saturn return. So it's interesting to think about the internet going through a whole self-discovery process of figuring out what it wants to be in the world um, and how we're using it. And, um, you know, this also, it feels like there's this separation of like, what isn't what we don't want with it. Like the constant advertisements or like constantly being inundated with, yeah, those different like algorithmic kind of curations. Um, Yeah. 
I guess I thought I'd share that because it feels really relevant to this. That's so interesting. Yeah. To think that the internet is in its Saturn return. I'm like, it kind of gives me hope of like, we can shift it. We know what we were when we went through our Saturn returns, right? So we're like, okay. Yeah. You got this. (laughs) I I was, I saw a, um, it was was some news post that came across Facebook. Now I, I'm rarely on Facebook. I, I just basically send my shit from Instagram to Facebook because they're connected, but I'm rarely spending time on Facebook. But I was on there the other day and it said something about like, oh, um, Facebook my, may go through a name change. What? And they may be changing Facebook to like tech blog or something like that. I'm like, wait, it's not April 1. Like what is going on? <laughs> Are well, we rebranding? Like <laughs> that is so interesting. That feels so like Saturn Return esque. Like having like an identity crisis, or just being like, <laughs> "What am I doing? Like, who am I? What 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 are we doing here?" Yeah, and I know that like for me, my Saturn Return brought up so much old trauma that I wasn't able to like work with when I was younger, and I could imagine you know thinking of the ways that the internet is really uplifting a lot of like intergenerational trauma and like that there's so much that's being brought forward from the internet and that also there's so many questions that are coming up around like the future of the internet especially when it's being used by people who are you know wanting to cause division and wanting to create um yeah, create their own like spaces, you know, where they're able to like feel their hate and their division. And I guess, yeah, I I love what you said, Nikki, because I do feel like hope too. I feel like there is hope in like that there can be some sort of self-awareness that comes from this or some sort of uh, growth of understanding of what uh, it means to really experiment on so many people and to not really have any... Um, oversight, you know, and I think, you know, Facebook is definitely one of those companies that like now, you know, we've been seeing so much like shadow banning and racist like um, support. And and I know, you know, this is like also something I thought would be maybe interesting to to touch upon is just like how many queer and trans and BIPOC folks I know who've Mm -hmm. been like getting kicked off of different platforms, knowing that a lot of these spaces that we're using, you know, as some of us have said that we have to use because of our like presence and because of how having to be in capitalism that a lot of these spaces are not friendly to certain people and that have really um, problematic ideas about who should or shouldn't be on these platforms and who should have a voice or who shouldn't have a voice. I did get my first Instagram deleted for hate speech because <laughs> I guess in my title it said, I love to wrestle and I hate men. And I tried to get talk to a person about it and yeah, I could see how when you're following a guideline, you're like, this says you hate a certain group of people that is hate speech. And yeah, that's made it interesting to me about what then, yeah, how to present myself in a way, because candy paint is this kind of (laughs) pull or extreme character. And it is also... It's funny because I'm like, well, when I mean men, I mean like the man, the system of power and these ideas. And it's interesting to think that, I mean, in the US, I think most of it, the content is done by humans and like a human has to do it. But also in other places, it's just AI and how hard that is for, you know, how many mistakes will happen through that. And that mostly I am a privileged person in this culture and also my messaging is whatever I feel like it's fun or somewhat interesting but real activists are getting shadow banned and that's the more scary part that I'm more worried about of like Palestinian activists and this that get blocked and more I'm like that's the thing though it's like yeah a wrestler whatever queer wrestler is getting shadow banned but it's you can see that if you want to freedom of speech is important because it will always be used against the left. If we start saying like, well, this kind of speech isn't okay. That's going to then be used against the left. And then Palestinian activists won't be able to say what they need to say and tell their truths and these things. And 
yeah, it's interesting seeing some people in the queer community and uh, kind of picking up some habits that I would considerly usually consider as right wing and kind of like anti-free speech, anti-difference uh, in a way, kind of like, yeah, it's interesting these times of like, also with the pandemic, I was like a lot of people I thought I shared politics with then very anti-vaccine and stuff, not to take us down another road. And, but yeah, just being like, yeah, we all have a lot of different ideas and <laughs> shaming people is not the way to uh, make them, to allow for a change of thought. Or, and also I'm open, like, let's have conversations. That's so important. And I think on social media, that's hard to have like a nuanced uh, conversation where it's so easy to have bad faith in everyone. That also makes me think a little bit about um, artists, people showing content that puts something out that that is removed and they go back and they censor themselves or censor that particular image mm-hmm. or work and then put it back again. So, so folks who are, who are kind of like introjecting the shit that's coming back out them and having to self-censor. Yeah. Yeah. The, the yeah. shadow ban and the censorship has been so mysterious. Like, I, I mean, friends of mine who are sex workers, it's been happening too for years, you know, and they've been talking about it on, you know, I feel like they were kind of like the first kind of group to um, experience those like intense censorships and like shadow bans. And it's really interesting when it's like really mysterious on like why something was shadow banned, you know, like sometimes I'll put things out there and I'm like, wow, this really like did got like one view or something. And I'm like, I, I've been kind of noticing on the living altar, which is, um, Ilva and mine, uh, ritual and tarot art page. Anytime we say anything political about spell work, it gets shadow banned. (laughs) And so, Mm. you know, we have, we are a little more mindful about being like, well, this is probably going to be shadow banned. So it's going to affect you know, traction and stuff like that. So it's kind of the subconscious thing that happens where you kind of, yeah, self-censor, hold yourself back. It's kind yeah, of definitely... like, oh. Oh no, go ahead, please. I was going to say like old Hollywood where it had to be all coded, like gay or communist ideas. Like everything yes. has to be yeah. secretive. Yeah. I've definitely yeah. seen people like, like using, you know, numbers and like working with letters to like, get their message across, but not say certain things, knowing that there are certain words that the AI or people are picking up and do shadow ban. And, um, but, and it's definitely targeted. I do see like, you know, there, as we've seen, there are like entire right wing areas of social media where people are able to say hate and, you know, those things get lots of traction. And then there are so many folks who, you know, are sex workers or are artists or are people who are doing activism or organizing who get shadow banned for their work. And I think, you know, it's been pretty apparent that there, you know, as much as we would like to believe that these platforms are quote unquote neutral, there are very much political agendas, I think, behind them and people who are only wanting to uplift certain voices and really diminish the voices of other people. Definitely. I feel like there have even been things where there's like kind of like a skinnier uh, woman posts a picture and then a fat woman does and then the fat one gets like censored for uh, content. And it's like wild of like, this is just, yeah, fat phobia or whatever. Like it's so bizarre that just the rules aren't clear and Mm. yeah it's kind of it's all objective i guess yeah i saw an article recently that there was like a museum in europe somewhere that had posted some photos some like old photos and i think one of them was a photo of the venus of willendorf and the um social media platforms um censored it and so they had to (sighs) move some other content that's like old like old art onto only fans so that it could be seen um online i love that (laughs) well i love that but then only fans went through its own little censorship issue Mm -hmm. which is a little a little bizarre so 
Yeah, witches, witches and queer and trans people will find ways to kind of move this information where it needs to go. And I think mm-hmm. there are different strategies that I've noticed people using, like mm-hmm. putting a selfie in front of something that's maybe more controversial, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Or something that might get shadow banned. As I've uh, definitely seen a lot of like activists and organizers using their selfies as like basically, yeah, like a, you know, yeah. an armor in front and then like yeah. putting, hiding the rest of the information behind the selfie or whatever you know i love that idea yeah (laughs) i was gonna say i love that idea of like fucking with the system and the algorithms by like not using traditional roman letter spellings for things and like combining letters and like um um um, emoji icons and various different things to get messages across i really have a strong faith in our underground culture and stuff that we will find ways always. And we have always found ways to connect and preserve and share the knowledge and keep it alive and connect. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Cause it always happens. I do feel like people, and I'm imagining, you know, I know that there are people right now who are working on different ways to engage on the internet. I know that, you know, it's really interesting, Kiki, that you bring up that Saturn return is that, there is like a huge movement right now of people who are building what they call the metaverse, which is like a blockchain mm-hmm. technology internet that cannot be co-opted by um, corporations. And so that the internet is going to start to transform. It is going to start changing. And people are kind of setting up the groundwork for that big change, because I do feel like as we've seen, mm-hmm. there's more censorship, more corporate take over and i think there as always there are going to be ways that people are going to find to really bypass a lot of this bullshit well that brings me so much hope to think about that um i i also have a lot of hope around the process of the internet and i think it's also coming from witnessing so much beautiful community and mutual aid happening and organizing on the internet and I've also learned so much from educational posts on the internet and Mm -hmm. yeah, I feel like I do have this like odd sense of like optimism with the process of the internet. And I mean, it's really only in the beginning of its Saturn return. So, you know, (laughs) we have a couple years to go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, even, even, um, even thinking about us coming together here in an intentional way happened through a connection, you know, via the internet. Yeah. Um, and I also think about how, um, as a, as a psychotherapist, telehealthing has expanded in such an yeah. enormous way, still mm-hmm. holding these polarities of like, well, this is great. And then maybe this is not so great, you know, not being together in person, but at the same time, there are these polarities and, and you can kind of exist Mm -hmm. in the middle if you allow yourself to. Yeah. I think what you said about discernment, I think is really important. Like, you know, navigating those realms with just a lot of discernment and a lens of discernment and just like naming that it's so nuanced and just like complicated. yeah, I think it's so important. And that we've been like forced in the last few years to go through so much cultural interpersonal change and that yeah. that of course is going to be reflected in the, on the internet and that yeah. I do feel like we've all gone through so much trauma too and we are still in so much yeah. trauma and we're yeah. witnessing each other go through it and we're like you know being recorded through it and there's posts that are being made yeah. and comment sections that are being populated through all this you know and yeah. a lot of that was something that we would have to maybe go through by ourselves I think about like all the journals I wrote when I was a young person that like so glad no one saw but like now so many people are having that same experience in relationship right and that that's definitely doing mm-hmm. something to us as people and also creating a different yeah. way of relating and a different kind of culture too I feel that is emerging from all of this too I also think about how, um, in a way, like the pandemic and and our sort of movement to technology and how we've been archiving ourselves, our processes, Mm. our um, art making, our spellcasting, like all of this shit into this sort of techno punk archive thing is kind Mm. of like this interesting contemporary grimoire that has been created through this whole process that one day 
years down the line will look back on as kind of being really magical. And there's a lot of witches on the internet. There are so, a fuckload of witches <laughs> on the internet. internet so I think about that. I'm like, what's going to happen? Like, <laughs> yeah, I had to start unfollowing some witches. I'm like, there too many witches up on my feed. <laughs> <laughs> never enough. Never enough. Yes, never enough. <laughs> I need all the help I can get. I'm just like, follow, follow, follow. <laughs> Good, yeah, yeah. This has been such an amazing conversation. <laughs> this is yeah. so fun. Yeah. yeah. I love talking about magic and the internet and <laughs> all of this. So I'm really just so grateful. <laughs> So I'd like to thank you all so much for coming into the chaos, the queer chaos, <laughs> and having this really wonderful, rich conversation. I, I, I have so much gratitude for this conversation. Before we head off, could we share like where people can find us and stuff? Yes, um, please. So you could find me at edgarfabianfrias.org. And I also have a link tree that you could find on my Instagram account that has connections to all my ever-expanding social media and internet presences. I'm Nikki Yamashiro, and my website is nikkiyamashiro.com. And my Instagram handles are Candy Pane Official Fan Club and Face of a Farter. I'm Kiki, and I am an opulent witch on Instagram. And then you can also look at my website, which is opulentwitch.com. And as always, I will put all of that information in the show notes and on Instagram where you can find everybody. Thank you all so much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Are you an LGBTQ plus identified individual that has a humorous story of failure? Attempted a pandemic hobby that didn't go as planned. A witch whose spell brought unexpected results. Tried cooking a new dish for a dinner party that veered horribly off course. Queer Chaos Podcast wants to hear from you. At this show, we rally around the queer art of failure and experiments that didn't quite make it. Email your funny trips down the tried it lane to queerchaospodcast at gmail.com and your story might land right here on our little show. Please include a first name you'd like to be known by and the city town you're located in. We won't share any other information. We ain't trying to dox a bitch. And please, make it a story and not just the result. Like, my cat puked on my date. Queer Chaos is hosted and co-produced by me, John Malitris, and recorded at House of Pod in Denver, Colorado. Our podcast cover art was created by Evan Lorenzen, who you can find on the Instagrams at artandsuchevan. That's A-R-T-A-N-D-S-U-C-H-E-V-A-N. Evan is also an amazing tattoo artist based in Denver, so check them out. You can find Queer Chaos on Instagram at Queer Chaos Podcast and online at QueerChaosPodcast.com. If you have some coins you can throw our way, we are on the Patreon, which is linked through our website, QueerChaosPodcast.com. Those coins go to monthly studio fees, website, and admin upkeep. And don't forget to send us your stories to QueerChaosPodcast at gmail.com. Until next show, embrace the queer chaos.